For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome into the Believe in the Cowboys podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. The best podcast network, the only podcast network for the teams that you care about with a team in every market. Paul Catalina here, former Cowboys cornerback Orlando Scandrick joins us. And we're brought to you by betonline.ag. Did someone say playoffs? The NBA, MLB, and NHL are in full swing. And our partners at BetOnline have you covered. I, uh, I'm, not a, I'm not a betting man quite often, but I am, uh, I'm getting kind of excited about Luka and the Mavericks. That was a ridiculous game the other day. So take full advantage of sports being back and get in on the action with hundreds of odds, futures, and props for you to bet on. And there's always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and sign up to receive your bonus on your first deposit. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And Orlando, uh, last week, uh, really, I had, I had a blast last week talking to you and Ron. That was that was educational for someone who's you know outside looking in. Uh, I just I just want to stay starting off that it was just so much fun to talk to you two last week and see that kind of player agent dynamic and find out things that we don't normally hear as, as fans, people outside the locker room or outside the business. Yeah, it was. Um, it comes natural. I mean, we have a good connection. You can definitely tell that we've known each other for a long time. And um, first of all, I want to say I'm happy to be back here. I was kind of thinking about some things all weekend long before mm-hmm. I talked to you, just, you know, watching the Earl Thomas thing unravel, watching the injury thing unravel and just reading the reports from Cowboys camp. Yeah, it's it's interesting. So let's jump in. Let's not bury the lead. Earl Thomas released by the Ravens. He punched a, a teammate in the, you know, in the face during practice. And Orlando, um, there are times where scuffles happen in practice. You know, padded scuffles, people swat at that. This was not that with Earl Thomas. This was an actual physical fight. How are those things addressed as players in the locker room? And when the Ravens let go of a Pro Bowl player like Earl Thomas, what kind of message does that send to the to the other players on the team? Um, I don't, first and foremost, I don't think that this was a one-time incident. I think the fight, I think the fight was the tip of the iceberg, but I think there's had to be some other things going on. There was some disconnect. I know they had some, some issues with some questions of his effort and things like that. And I think Earl's a great player, but I think coming up in the system that he came up in Seattle, um, I think he's similar to myself. He's one of those guys that you got to kind of have to know him or he can rub you the wrong way. And I think ultimately what that says to me of being released after paying him such a lucrative signing bonus and first year contract, first year salary. I think he just didn't fit in. I think he just never really was one of their guys. And ultimately that made that decision easy for them. Yeah. And you know, Earl Thomas is, this is not someone who's, uh, I mean, he's, he's had some, I mean, he's, he's a bombastic guy. I would say that, you know, he's got, he's got a lot of personality. And again, like you said, sometimes if you don't know a guy like that, you can, you can, 
you know, not like him. I think it happens a lot of times with like catchers in baseball because they're the guys who like to rile people up or you've got one of those personalities. But uh, for the most part in his career, he's he's done, he, you know, you haven't heard a lot of things about him other than, you know, sometimes he, he, he talks a little trash. So I don't know if he'd be a problem in any locker room, but he was a problem in that locker room because he's not a fit. And and sometimes that just that just happens, doesn't it? I think his play is unquestioned. Pro Bowl, Hall of Fame type player. I'm going to have to disagree with you on a problem in the locker room. Flipping off GMs, flipping off coaches, arguing with people, being late to meetings, punching teammates. Those might not be a problem that are directly take place in the locker room, but those are problems that affect the locker room. When you got a lot of young players coming up that you're kind of trying to mold and transition them into this professional football, this business type place, this organization where you want to make everyone feel as equal as possible when we all know it's not equal. I think those are all things that ultimately become locker room problems. Yeah, and that's something that any team that's going to try and sign him has to consider now. If the if the Ravens are taking a risk on eating $15 million, and they might get some of that back if their their grievance is upheld, but if they're taking a risk to eat $15 million this year, I mean, that, that sends a message, doesn't it, about how, how they feel about him? I just think they could not have him on the team. I mean, whether it's eating $15 million or not, you're going to pay him 10. So Mm -hmm. ultimately what are you, you're really eating $5 million. You have plans to pay him 10. I mean, I just think for the long term of their team, I think this was, they deemed this the best decision. I love Earl as a player. I love everything about him as a player. And no, sometimes you get into scuffles and sometimes you don't always agree with your teammate. And I've had times where I've been always agreed. I know me and Dez have been into scuffles. It never became like, where the point where our helmets are off and we're actually punching each other in the face. But there's been times where people have, it it has happened, but you just got to kind of gauge the dynamic of the locker room and the team. And you got to really know that player. And there was something that they felt about Earl that made them feel like, you know, this is enough's enough. So if you're the Cowboys, do you get in the Earl Thomas business? I'm in the business of getting as many good players as possible, but I'm also in the business of having as many good players as possible that gel together. So of course you gauge the temperature, you see if the price is right. You know, you talk to your team leaders, you talk to your coaches and then you go from there. Yeah. How do you gauge the temperature on, cause you can't really know how he's going to react with the coaches and the upper management and the rest of the team until he's there. How do you how do you get a feel of that before you sign him and take a risk on a player like this? Or can you? Good thing about him being a free agent is, you know, you talk to Earl, you bring him in for a visit. Um, you let him sit down with, your, with the ownership. You let him sit down with the front office. You let him sit down with the coaches. Maybe Dr. Jackie, Dr. Jackie who's like the team psychiatrist. And then you just, you ask him about the situation. You ask him all the question marks that you have about him as a person, as a player, and what happened in Baltimore. And then you gather all that information and you make a decision. Yeah, and, and his Earl Thomas, you know, he he went to the University of Texas. He's from Port Arthur. He's been, you know, he grew up a huge Cowboys fan, which a lot of guys do. I I know that, but those are all the things that that are always going to get said about him when it comes to him and the Cowboys. He ran into the locker room after a playoff game and told Jason Garrett to come and get him uh, a couple of years ago. So he's done some kind of weird things like that. I I've been covering the team for a long time. I've never seen an, an opposing player in the locker room, or at least I saw him running in and coming out. We weren't in there then, but you know I've never seen that happen ever. You know it's, it was very bizarre. So. Uh, 
he's always going to be tied to the Cowboys, and and, and fans are going to want to know, why don't they go get this guy? Is it not worth it? They've taken big risks before. They've got one right now. Alden Smith's a risk because he hasn't played in a few years, and he's he had off-the-field issues with alcohol. So um, the Cowboys have done this. Are, are they an organization? If Jerry Jones, he's usually not afraid of things like this. I mean, if anybody can handle it, it's him, right? How bad do you have to be to throw something away or to release something that you pay $22 million for 18 months? Yeah, that's 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 something I want fans to think about. Uh, really think um, about not. And that's not, you know, there's three weeks until the season. And of course, he's a great player. He'll make plays. But some things take time to show who they truly are. Um, I always said when I was a player, time does not heal all time does not tell all but it provides clarity mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that if you like where you're at you know maybe you think that you can get by and you know maybe develop some homegrown talent and kind of see what Xavier does in his contract season and kind of see if Darian Thompson can take form and turn into the player that was drafted a top 100 pick in New York or see maybe if haha Clinton Dix can turn back into that Pro Bowl player it's, it's pretty much like why do you, you bring on a guy like that but you know obviously Knowing Mr. Jones, like I know Mr. Jones, he's in the business. He's in a risk-taking business. Without no risk, there can be no reward. So, I mean, we'll see. We'll just have to see over the next few weeks, maybe if there's an injury or if someone's not playing as well. But I don't I don't foresee them jumping to make any decisions within the next week or so. Yeah, no. I, well, there, there would be no rush on Earl Thomas unless they really wanted him and there were other teams pursuing him, which right now it looks like everybody's just going to kind of sit back and wait to see what happens. I mean, you know, and... You know, like the the team signing Earl Thomas has most of the leverage in this in this scenario, so they don't they don't have to do anything right now. I, I don't I don't I don't like that word leverage because I don't I don't know how anyone can have any leverage over someone that's a free man. Well, yeah. <laughs> what's the leverage yeah I, you're 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 right you're you're very right you're very right i'm i you know i i guess i'm saying it's 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 less uh it's less like the free agency scenario in the early part of the off season you know where there's kind of a frenzy and and there's that this would this would be a little bit different don't you think it's hard to have leverage over someone who has been in the league 10 years and has already made 77 million dollars so yeah i don't know how you have much leverage i think that i don't think this is a money situation or a leverage situation i think for et i think he wants to find the right situation and a team that he can go to that he can finish his career off where mm-hmm. it's no secret he's on the back side of his career not the downside of his career the back side of his career because i say the back side because he's not going to play 10 more seasons but whether it's another two seasons another three another four another five you don't want you don't really want to keep bouncing around so i think he wants to find a situation that's best for him what does it say about how they feel about the safeties on the roster if they do sign earl thomas i mean it just says that that you, you always want the best group of players to win. I don't think it says anything about them. I think when you stop trying to get better, that's when you start getting worse. Yeah. Do um, How do players take that when it happens? It's, it's competition. You yeah. always want the best competition. Competition brings out the best in everyone. Yeah. So it's like, if it doesn't, did, would it, did it ever phase you? Never. Yeah. Well, you, I mean, you, you were able to always play with a chip on your shoulder. I had nothing to do with the next man that they brought in the locker room. Yeah. My biggest competition was always the guy that looked in that I'd seen in the mirror. 
that's that's a that's an awesome way to to put it, Orlando. I I, I like it when you uh, I like it when you let me inside of Orlando's brain a little bit. I like it. No problem. <laughs> um, you uh, uh, also you know, like we we talked a little about injuries last week. The Cowboys haven't had a major you know knock on wood Gerald McCoy injury since last week, but they've got a little you know Tyrone Smith, um, Tyron Smith, uh, Sean Lee, uh, Lyle Collins. They all have had little you know things that have kept them out of practice so far. Do you think that that is that is a function of this off season as well? Absolutely. If you just read McCarthy's comments about LC, just, you know, we got to see him get back into shape, kind of not having no offseason. And then, you know, um, obviously you got Jay Lou, he's out, he sprained his ankle, but then you got some, I'm sure they got some other guys with some soft tissue injuries that they're monitoring. But it's just, like I said, which coach and which organization can kind of take the right approach to ease these players into camp to ease them into early in the season. That's going to show a big, it's going to play a big factor. So is part of the factor of this year, as we get through training camp coaches who can maybe break from what they always do, ones that are adaptable. You have to break for what you always do. This is just not a normal year. Yeah. So that's not, that's it. Well, that's not easy for a lot of, for coaches. Coaches are about routine. You know, I, I, I yeah. Nothing, you, about, nothing about this says routine. Yeah. <laughs> Coronavirus testing every day. Everyone's wearing masks. It's nothing about this says routine. I, like I said, the coach, the staff that can kind of come together and learn their players. And, you know, I've always been a believer of it. it's not about the X's and the O's. It's about the Jimmy's and the Joe's. Mm-hmm. So you can have as much routine if you want, but if you got no players to put out there, Zero plus zero is zero. Yeah. I, yeah, just, just being in the business where, and I like, I don't even talk, I'm not even talking to NFL coaches. You know, we, we talk to college and high school coaches on our, our regular radio show every day. And that the ones, the ones that have dealt with this, the best are the ones who have, who have been like, look, I, I know it's not going to be the same, so I'm not going to do it. Like I can do as much the same as I normally can, but there's certain things I just got to throw out the window and you just have to, to react to it. I was at a high school practice earlier today and listen to the coach have to like repeat to people what they do like hey look you got to put your mask on if the superintendent comes out here and sees that you don't have your mask on it's going to be a thing just put your mask on like that's all like the difference between us having a problem and us not having a problem is you just pulling your mask up and putting it on and those things that they have to say over and over again at the lower levels it's it's different i know at the higher levels but this is going to be a weird year and so adaptability um and I, I think that, like, after, you know, we see the Super Bowl, who's ever ho- hoisting the Lombardi trophy, one of the big things is going to be, well, yeah, we were able to adapt to everything that was thrown at us in this crazy year. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, that's that's the guy who's going to be, like, yeah, we did this differently. We did this differently. Somebody's got to, you know, somebody's got to write a great book about the teams who did it differently in 2020, I think. You know, where it's right. going to be like, here's the things that they did that the other teams couldn't pick up on or didn't didn't figure out. I agree with you. Yeah. So, um, one of the things um, I'm very interested in, in in training camp Orlando, especially you know you being a, uh, a defensive back yourself, is the way that they're they're kind of moving through these defensive backs and uh, the moving the guys around a little bit. I, I think that they're competing. Um, mm-hmm. I think this is all a group of guys that you know you have some guys that are not established starters on this team not established players in this organization you got a new coaching staff and that's that's normal 
Mm-hmm. Well, um, I know that Cheeto uh, Wuzier has played a little bit at safety. I know that not a lot, but you know he he's a corner. But they've they've thrown that out there. Is that is that seeing where he fits better, or is that Mike Nolan moving guys around for different kind of of looks on defense that he can play matchups with? Once again, I've said they don't have a bunch of established yeah. players. Yeah, Cheeto's going into his fourth year. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's still not an established player. He has not been able to firmly be entrenched at that position. He was benched at the end of last year. He He's had some some on and off moments. And I just think they just don't know. What what would you say that he needs to get better at? Is it just consistency? What is it, what is the, the thing that got him benched? I just don't know if he makes enough plays. I don't remember you watching a game and saying, oh, my gosh, this Cheeto Ouzier guy. Mm-hmm. I think by my fourth year, by this time in my fourth year, I was already onto a long-term contract extension. Like they knew what I was. They knew who I was. Well, is, uh, is in the same thing for Jordan Lewis this year as well? I think that Jordan hasn't become a firmly entrenched player. He was the fourth corner last year until mm-hmm. Anthony Brown was, was injured. I think these guys were, these guys were second and third round picks. You hope that second and third round picks by your fourth year, your third year are entrenched starters. <laughs> And Anthony Brown was the, I mean, he's been the more, most consistent of them all outside. I mean, he doesn't get injured. He's been, he's, he's probably looking at it, a, a contract right now. Don't you think? Because he's Anthony been so Brown, consistent. Anthony Brown received a three year, 16 and a half million dollar contract in the off season. So yeah. that showed you what they thought about him, but I think he needs to entrench himself and we still have conversations, you know, biweekly. And he knows, he knows, he knows how to go about this thing. And I'm looking forward to seeing him this year. Yeah. Um, yeah. He's, but you know what why is it i'm gonna say why is it some guys get it and some guys don't is that is that too broad of a thing i don't think that some guys get it i think these guys were drafted and to play um obviously i moved along from there i think they switched from rod marinelli running the show and Iberflus helping him out to chris richard and then that kind of has switching to now mike nolan and i think they're just they're kind of caught up in the coaching switch and just not having done, not having played enough. And I think this is a big year for both of those guys, for all of those guys. Yeah. Well, I mean, they drafted, you know, two guys. I mean, they drafted a corner in the second and a corner in the third uh, because it was a, an area of need with Trayvon Diggs and, and Reggie Robinson. Uh, but again, with no offseason, how much can you rely on on two rookies to step up if you're a coach? I don't know if they're relying on two rookies. Yeah. I know they think those guys can play, but I think also they're going to put them in healthy competition for the fact if one of those rookies show that they are ready, they can throw them in and see what they got. Yeah. Um, oh, and, and, and part of it also is, uh, you know, improving the front seven so that, you know, the pass rush is better. They brought in Everson Griffin, uh, which, which I think, I think is a great fit for what they're trying to do to do on defense. So that should take pressure off the secondary. If that works out. I think, like I said, to bring in Everson Griffin is great, but let's not forget who walked out the door last year. And it's going to be really, really hard to replace the effect, the pass rush, and just the type of guy and the type of player Robert Quinn was. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and that, the, the, they're going to try to have to hope to recapture that kind of magic again with a player who's had you know similar success in, in the NFL. But, you know... 
you know, what, what do you, what do you get from a guy also again? And it comes back to this offseason. He hasn't been with a team working out just like everybody else. And he's been a free agent, not even able to, you know, to take advantage of, well, I mean, I guess he has the same thing everybody else did, but you know, he hasn't had a team to work out with, like say, you know, Dak brought guys into his house and worked out and he hasn't had that. So you got to get a way for him to get in shape. That's way overblown. It is. Dak okay. brought guys to work into his house or his teammates and his friends. Yeah. Everson Griffin's got plenty of friends in the NFL. He's got plenty of people that he played with at USC that he can go work out. I just think it's going to come down to how do they play? I mean, we all want to look at this thing and put this thing on. I got this player on paper. I got this player on paper. I got this player on paper, but this game is not played on paper. I've been on some teams that they said, these guys are going to be Super Bowl contenders that didn't make the playoffs. I've also been on some teams where it's like, I don't know what these guys got. We go and win the division. It's, it's going to be all about what happens in between those lines. Right now we'd be into playing preseason games normally. How, how much does that affect? Because again, you know, I know that like preseason, it's not really about game planning. It's more just about seeing, you know, looks and things like that. But how much does it affect that you're not going to get to play some actual, you know, at least some preseason games before you play one that counts? It's going to be, I mean, for the vet guys, it's, it's good. You know, you don't have to bang your body. But for younger guys and obviously guys that are new to the system, you're not going to get to play your system against somebody else that you don't see every day. You know, what, what also I think is the biggest thing for me is not just the, not just the um, preseason, but you don't get those joint practices. Mm-hmm. Those, th- those are always interesting to me. Do those help out almost as much as a preseason game? I think so for the older guys, you get to go against some players that you don't see every day. You get to be in some less controlled environments. I think those are great, you know, to a certain extent, you know, after two days, you're, you're tired of them, but I think they're, they're good. They're always beneficial and great for me. Why are you tired of them after two days? Are they, are they harder practices? No, you're just oh. tired of going against this guy and you're not, you know, the, the, the com- it's super competitive, but also it's like, all right, we still know his practice is still a co- controlled environment. And, you know, you just, you just get hurt. I never was a guy that loved to practice against other teams. I, I loved it when I went against, you know, players that were great players when just going against Denver when they had Brandon Marshall and going against the Chargers when they had Vincent Jackson and Michael Floyd and Antonio Gates. And, and that was great. But then when I think about when I was older in my career and I spent this brief time with the Redskins, just going against the Jets in that environment, you know, it just was the intensity. I don't know. It just it felt a little weird. Did it, for lack of a word, did it, did it get boring? Because they, the I mean, was it, it not as much a challenge? No, 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 okay. no, no, no. No, no, let's not go there about the type of team. It has okay. nothing okay. against the type of team. It's just the environment. You know, you do it for a day and two days and you get two full days and that third day becomes like just just boring. You know, now they've seen you for two days. They kind of know what your scheme is like. Then you get to that third day. Then a fourth day is a preseason. And it's just it's just a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that makes that makes worse. I was trying to I was just trying to get to the to the meat of that there because it again, I can see where it would help. But yeah, and then you get tired of of doing that and you have to do you practice. I mean, obviously, there's terminology that's different or or things you kind of have to keep under wraps. Like, is that is that all kind of a pain? It has nothing to do with terminology because at the end of the day, it's not a real game. It's just you get a chance to see players. It's more more so for younger players. 
it's in a, against other people that they don't go against every day. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, they don't have any of that. The no preseason games. So again, for the, for the veterans, it's great. You know, that especially the guys who aren't going to play. I mean, there's some guys who don't play in, in but one of them anyway, and not for exactly. very long. So, you know, what does that really matter that there wouldn't be, you know, that one game that they would play in? Is there, do you feel like there's a, um, any kind of a curve, like when you, if you don't play in the preseason at all, and then you have that first season game, even for a veteran, is there, is no, there a get no. back into rhythm of it? Or is that, no. I mean, you know? always in the beginning of the season, but preseason is, is worthless for a veteran player, you know, cause I've always talked to my agent about this. 90% of the team is made already. Mm-hmm. So what, I mean, what are we just really trying to find a couple of those back end roster guys and some practice squad guys that you can develop. Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at this Cowboys roster right now, what are they, what are they trying to figure out that a preseason game w- would make any difference than a practice? I have no idea because I'm not there, but I yeah. can tell you this: ninety percent of the roster is made based off of your contract and where you were drafted. Yeah, I mean, again, like I so said, you're not there, but like if you think about it, like they they know who they want their top three receivers to be. So you're talking about, you know, the the that's, that's, you know that's that's based off of contract or draft status. Yeah, but but they would know. But my point is, they would know. They would know almost as much in practice as they would for any preseason game it for a team like this, right? Paul has nothing to do with practice. Yeah. They knew where their top three receivers were before they even walked into the building. Yeah. Well, Based I mean, off of contract and draft status. Yeah. Okay. But like, you know, if in practice, one of those guys wasn't up to snuff, he wouldn't play. Right. Which one? Amari Cooper that got a hundred million dollars. <laughs> yeah. Gallup that had 1100 yards last year are the guy they drafted in the first round. Okay. You win again. <laughs> you win again. <laughs> so so if, Dax, if Dak's not up to par, is Andy Dalton going to start? Yeah, prob- I mean, probably not. I mean, they got $31 million, you know, on if the line. De- if Demarcus Lawrence is not up to par, is he not going to start? Yeah. So... Yeah. So again, well, yeah. Well, I mean, I see your point of the preseason. I see. I mean, <laughs> let's let let's not over let's not not overcomplicate this thing. Yeah. See, that's why I, that's what I want this podcast to be. You're educating me and the masses. Because again, I'm not in the locker room. I don't like. I you see these things, and you want to have the like. Well, I mean, this guy be making a lot of money, but if he half asses it, then maybe they won't. Well, we still make a lot of money. You got to put him out there, and you know, let's just put it in layman's terms, Paul. Yeah. I got a Rolls Royce outside mm-hmm. and you know, I got a, just a regular Yukon Denali. I'm not going to not drive my Rolls Royce because I feel like the Yukon Denali rolls better. I, I'm going to get my money's worth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that one. <laughs> that's, no problem. That's, that's great. Yeah. No, I, yeah. You're going to put some miles on the, on the rolls. You didn't, you didn't buy it for, just to, to look at and and wash make sure it's absolutely. shiny absolutely yeah. yeah no no no. it's got features you got to use them man i gotta tell you orlando my favorite part of every year was going to oxnard not not so much just to watch practice you know i loved it but uh the weather's so so damn nice out there so <laughs> i'm i'm missing it this year and my my you know eight to ten days i would spend out there so i'm also missing getting kind of any kind of look at you know just to see what's going on I, you know i don't know how much you can as you a reporter wanna, glean from practice be, you just want to be nosy and try to and try and try to assume things yeah that's kind of what that's kind of our whole job 
It's just, I get it. I get it. <laughs> it's kind of our whole I job. It's kind of our whole job. Us. That's going to do it for us. The Believe in the Cowboys podcast. Please like and subscribe wherever you get podcasts, wherever that is. Share it on the internets, in the social media with your friends. Tell us all about Orlando. Always great to talk to you. I'll talk to you again next week. We'll do it all again. This is the Believe in the Cowboys podcast. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.